Hey, guys. All right, so now that Pastor finally stopped talking, I'm just joking. Okay. Okay, so Psalm 35, verse 18, it says, I'll give thee thanks in the great congregation. I'll praise thee among much people. So let's just stand up and do that right now. Let's just give thanks to the Lord for what he's doing already. All right, well, you may be seated. So I'm actually going to open with some scripture uh, this afternoon. So Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, if we could get that pulled up. It says, well, before we read, actually, I'm going to give you guys a little background on what's happening. It's really quick, just so you understand. So Jesus is with his disciples by the sea, and he is talking to the multitude, and he's teaching in parables. So now we come down to verse 35. And it says, In the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side, the other side of the sea. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, Jesus was. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So with the help of the Lord this afternoon, I want to speak on the title, Siopao Fimao. And a lot of you are like, what the heck did she just say? What does that even mean? Okay. So unless you study Greek, which I don't like normally study Greek, you wouldn't know what it means. So we are going to get to what it means, but just keep that phrase in mind, siopao fimao. And while we also keep that story of Mark in mind, I'm going to tell a personal story really quick. So a few months ago when we had an all-church prayer, um, I was praying as you do at an all-church prayer. And I was in a moment in my life where I was just really overwhelmed. Do you ever have those times where you're just so overwhelmed? And I had so many things that I was praying about. And it was kind of like a chain reaction. So if I had one thing I was praying about, so say, this is so hypothetical, but say I was praying like, my cheeseburger wasn't good. It was not good, God. And you know, also isn't good, my schoolwork. And you know, also I don't like my school. I don't like my teachers. It was like a chain. Like I said one thing, I was like, that reminds me. I have another thing that I'm upset about. And I remember I just had this, so many things that I was praying about and I was very overwhelmed. And I heard God tell me, peace be still. And obviously I didn't study Greek, so at that time I wasn't really sure what that meant. Something in my spirit just told me I need to stop. I just need to take a second. So 
the Lord said to me again, peace be still. And then I waited a second. I was just kind of, you know, just waiting in his spirit. And then he told me, my promises will come to pass. So back to this story in Mark that I was just reading to y'all. So it says, um, they address Jesus when they come to him. So they say, they come to him and they say that master cares thou not that we perish, right? So they're coming to him while he's sleeping on his pillow. And they say, master cares thou not if we perish as if he's not even there. They're saying that as if he doesn't know that there's a storm happening, right? So they're going up to him. They say, master carest thou not if we perish. And like I said, Jesus appears to not be in the moment aware of what's happening. And while he's not working in the moment, it does not mean he's not going to. All right. So this is kind of going to wrap into another part of how God knows what is happening. He knows our situations, right? And just because, again, and with us, just because he isn't doing something right now doesn't mean he's not about to perform the supernatural and fix your situation that you are going through. Okay, and then now we have that Jesus is arising. He arises from his bed, it says. And notice how he doesn't address the disciples first. He doesn't say anything at all, does he? No. He gets up, and he walks to the storm. And he says to the storm, peace, be still. And now we're going to focus on that Greek that I was talking to you guys about. So if you didn't know, um, there's different types of peace in the Greek. So whenever you translate something from English, um, or you translate, sorry, something from Greek, you translate a word from Greek, it can have multiple meanings in the Greek, but it translates to one word in the English. English is kind of boring. So you have multiple meanings, then you come over to English, and it's like, Peace. So, the word peace in Greek, this specific way that Jesus is using peace, it actually means be quiet, which was first amazing to me because something in my spirit told me I need to be quiet, I need to stop. And so the, the peace part means be quiet. And then you have the be still part. And just like how peace can mean different things, there's different types of peace, this be still meant something very specific. So this be still was more of like an authoritative reiteration or an authoritative command to the sea. That meant not only are you going to be quiet, even if you wanted to open your mouth, you can't. Even if you want to, you cannot. So he's saying be quiet. And even if you don't want to be quiet, you're going to be quiet because I said so. So now that he's addressed the storm, he says, peace be still. And the storm is, you know, dying down. The storm's calm. Now he's going to address the disciples. So in my story that I was telling about me, one moment. In my story that I was telling about me, he first told me, peace be still, as I said. And then I said, I was kind of, you know, waiting in the spirit, you know, just hoping that something else would, God would speak to me again. And then he told me my promises will come to pass, okay? And whenever he first tells the storm, peace be still, now he's going to go talk to the disciples. Because first you have to calm the storm, and then he will address what you want him to address. And so he says to the storm again, peace be still, be quiet. And then he comes to the disciples, and I believe this is in verse 40, and he says, why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? So now he's addressing the disciples. And a lot of the time, God uses our lack of faith. He uses our lack of faith as an opportunity 
to show us his true power. And so kind of like how he told me my promises will come to pass, he was using my lack of faith of me being overwhelmed and praying. He used that as a way to speak to me and say, okay, peace be still, you need to calm your storm. And I'm going to tell you, my promise to you, I will address what you want, but first you need to obey me and be quiet and listen. So the siopao fimao, I just really want to reiterate that. Because again, that's the be quiet. And even if you don't want to, you're going to be quiet, right? So whenever we're praying, this isn't in the notes, so we're just going to come down here. (laughs) So whenever we're praying and we can get so caught up in it, and we're like, you know, I have all these things that I want to pray about, and I'm just so worried. We get worried, don't we? We get worried. So we get worried, and we're praying, and we're like, God, I just really need you to speak to me right now. And it's almost like you're acting as if you're God and that you have the authority, but really he might not be wanting to speak to you right now because you might not need to hear from him right now. He might be building your faith. He might be building your relationship with him. So it's really important that whenever we're not hearing from God, we think, okay, maybe he's building our relationship, but maybe also if God does want to speak to you in that moment, how is he going to speak to you if you keep running your mouth? Right. He told me, he said, peace, be quiet. Be quiet. He told me, peace, be quiet. And then he said, be still. So even if you want to talk, Audrey, you need to stop talking, which I hear that all the time. (laughs) So immediately I'm like, I get it. I get it. So yeah, she says, peace, be still, be quiet. So this is so important. Sister Leah is not here today, unfortunately, but she was talking about this downstairs, that whenever God is going to speak to you, you have to be quiet. Because it says in the Bible that his voice is a whisper. God's not going to yell over you. He's not going to yell over you. You have to give him the room to talk. You have to. He's not going to talk because he has so much power, and he's not going to waste his words if you're not even going to hear it. So you have to prepare the atmosphere whenever you want to hear from God. You have to. You can worship, obviously. You worship, and you have that time of worship, but there comes a time after you take your concerns to prayer. There comes a time when you need to be quiet. Siopao, be quiet. And then we come to that fimao again, as I said. Even if you want, sometimes we want to keep going. We have so many things, and we are talking to God as if he doesn't know. We're the master cares thou not if we perish, right? That's what we're basically saying. We're like, do you not even care? He was in the hinder part of the ship sleeping, and it did not appear as if he was moving at that moment. It might not have appeared as he was doing anything, but he was well aware that there was a storm, wasn't he? He knew. He's like, I know the winds are out there, and I know the waves are high, but I'm still here, and I'm still God. So just because he's not answering you in the time you want him to, or just because at the exact moment that you say, okay, speak to me, three seconds later, I guess he doesn't want to speak to me today. That doesn't mean that he's not going to answer your prayer. It just means that it might not be the time. I saw a thing. um, It was like a post, and it said, God will answer us in three different ways. He'll say yes, and he'll give you what you want. And that's great when that happens, because that's so easy to just rejoice when that happens, because you're like, right in the timing I wanted to, God gave me what I wanted. And it's great. And then there's the other one, and it says, he says, no, and he doesn't give you what you want. He gives you something better. So sometimes there's that, that you know, no, but I have something better. And then there's the he says, wait, and you'll just have to see. 
And that's kind of what we're focusing on is that third part is you're just going to have to wait sometimes. And it's sometimes really difficult because just like you told me, my promises will come to pass. Even it's kind of like, I'm like, okay, that's going to happen, but when, right? So you're like, this is all great. You know, you say this is going to happen, but when is it going to happen, right? And it's kind of like that verse or the bridge in the song that we were just singing. And it said, you said it, I believe. You said it. You said this is going to happen. You said you're going to heal me. You said you're going to deliver me. And I believe it. And the best that we can do in any situation is we've done all we can do at the point when we've prayed. That's, the, that's all we can do at that point. And then have faith, of course. That's the best we can do. And now we give it to God. There comes a point in everything where you've done as much as you can do. And you need to step back and give him the reins because it's not your turn anymore. There comes a time. So I really want to reiterate that authoritative part, the peace be still, siopao fimao. That is so important and crucial because it doesn't just mean be quiet and don't even talk. It means that. That's the specific meaning. But it also means that there's a time and there's a season and there's a will that God has for your life. And sometimes it might not seem that all great whenever you're going through the storm. Just like how whenever the disciples, they were on their way from one side of the sea and they were going to do even greater things on the other side of the sea. And it's interesting because as we go into deeper depths in our relationship with God and as we go and do greater things, the enemy is going to attack us with deeper worries and more distractions. And it's just so important that you make sure that you don't get so caught up in the distractions, that you don't get so caught up in all the things that the adversary is trying to throw at you and try to throw you off course. And you can, like, whenever you see somebody else going through something, it's easy to be like, the enemy is attacking you, I can see it, and you just need to, you need to just trust God, right? We quote the trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine understanding. We're like, you just need to trust God. When you see it from afar, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, they just need to trust God. It's going to be fine. But when you're in the moment, it's different, isn't it? Because you're going through the storm. You're in the storm. Like the disciples, they were in the storm. They saw it. And as far as they could tell, Jesus was sleeping. He was sleeping, and the water was filling the boat, and they thought they were going to drown and die. And we can get so overwhelmed and so worried that we feel like our situation is going to overcome us. But I promise you, even if it's not in the timing that you want it to be, God will still come through for you. And it might not be in the way that you think he is going to, but I can tell you right now he is going to. So one of the last points that I wanted to make, because we were talking kind of about, you know, we get distracted because the enemy will try to attack us with that. So I want to make a point that it's so important that whenever you are waiting on an answer from God and just in life in general, when you're facing your battles, about tuning down the distraction in the carnal. Because when you're in the carnal, it's, it's basically you're going off of what you know. And a lot of the time, what you know is not the full picture of what God has painted for your life. So it's important that we turn down the carnal and we turn down the distraction. But you can't just leave that empty space, can you? Whenever you take something out, you have to replace it with something. Because if you don't replace it with something, the devil's going to try to replace it with something. 
So whenever you tune down the carnal and you tune down the distraction, it is so important that we tune into the spirit. And just following, even though, even if you might not know, you're walking blindly, like how pastor said, walking by faith and not by sight. You're walking blindly, but you have faith that the ending, that the outcome is going to be okay because you know I don't have control, and it's hard not to have control, but you know I don't have control, but I know a God who does. So I just wanted to leave you guys with some encouragement today. I feel as though God has told me that there's at least one person in here that really needs to take authority over their storm. And that peace be still that we talked about, it was the authoritative command. And it's telling your storm, be quiet. And sometimes be quiet isn't enough. Kind of like if a parent's yelling at their kid, be quiet, that doesn't mean they're going to be quiet. So if if you're telling your storm, be quiet, not only am I telling you, be quiet, but even if you want to open your mouth, you cannot because I'm speaking with authority. So I just want to encourage somebody right now, I don't know who it is, but the storm that you are going through and whatever you are facing, you need to tell your storm to be quiet, siopao, There's that part. And then we come over to the fiomao. Even if you want to open your mouth, even if you want to discourage me, even if you want to try to overcome my faith, you cannot. So as I leave you with that thought today, I'll go ahead and have Sister Emily come up here. I know she has a great word from God that she's been preparing for. But I'll just have everyone stand really quick, if that's okay. Every eye closed, hands lifted, both, please, if you're available. Jesus, I just pray right now, God, faith in this room, Lord. Lord, that you just give these people, God, the ability to have authority and take dominion over the storms that they are facing in their lives, God. Lord, I pray your will be done in this place, God. Oh, yeah, give it all to God right now. Thank you, Jesus, Jesus. Mm. God's clearly got a word for somebody in this house tonight because I I basically don't need to speak. She spoke my message. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you you can sit down. Um, So a couple weeks ago, um, Pastor preached about going deeper, you know, so... Um, I got laid on my heart to continue in that vein of, we are really in a season of going deeper in God, and he's wanting us to go deeper, though. Um, so I'm going to go with um, the story. Um, you know, we're so good at um, fighting against battles that we can see, like that we know it's a battle. And we know that we can just pray against it. So I'm going to start in Numbers 21, um, verse 1. The Canaanite king of Arid, who lived in that word, heard heard the Israelites were approaching on the road through Arhim. So he attacked the Israelites and took some of them prisoners. Then the Lord of Israel made this vow to the Lord, if you will hand these people over to us, we will completely destroy all their towns. The Lord heard the Israelites' request and gave them victory over the Canaanites. 
the Israels completely destroyed them and their towns, and this place had been called Hormon ever since. Um, so the Israelites were attacked, and they sought God, and they were set free. Yes. <laughs> um, and then later in that verse, again, the Israelites were attacked, verse 23. But King, oh wait, they, first they asked permission to go through, and so he said no. So King Shannon refused them to cross his territory. Instead, he mobilized his entire army and attacked the Israelites in the wilderness, engaging them in battle. But the Israelites slaughtered them with their swords, occupying their land. And those, yeah, there's a lot of words. <laughs> there's a really small font, too, that I have on here, which, you know, I needed to make it bigger, like Brother Foster does. <laughs> um, yeah, but they were attacked. And then even a third time in this chapter, they were attacked in verse 33, they turned and marched up a road, and then the Lord said to Moses, I'm not going to read it all, you know. Um, but there's a common theme with all three of these attacks. They were attacked, they sought God, and then they were, like, set free. And then further into Numbers, um, they, um, wow, I'll paraphrase the story. Further in, um, they set up their camp next to Moab, and... Um, then the, the Moab king had seen that all the other attacks and all the other things, and he's like, you know what, I can't attack them because he saw what the Israelites did to everybody else. So he decided that he was going to call upon the elders of Moab or whatever and was like, hey, yo, pull up. So, um, and then so Balaam came, and then it was like, oh, Balaam, we can't curse People, like God told Balaam that they couldn't curse them. And there was a whole other thing, and a talking donkey, and all this stuff. <laughs> and then there was a prophecy, da, 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 da. And then it brings us down to chapter 25, which um, they began to, um, I don't know how long the time frame was. I really wish I knew the time frame between when they pitched their tents and in verse 25. I won't read the first verse because there's children here. Um, <laughs> but basically, they had abided next to Moab, and they began to sin with the women there. And then the women had invited them to worship and to the sacrifices and to worship their gods. And camping next to Moab and all of that, they began to be distracted. They began to not be focused on God and began to act and work like the world does. And that brings me to my title, Distractions of the Deep. <laughs> hey, oh. um, yeah, so they were really living just next to the world. It, living in the world is not good. <laughs> They're just there, chilling. Um, and if you're not being influenced by God, you're being influenced by something. And they lost their sight and their focus on God and began to act like the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
during this, they were, I, I skipped this part, I forgot. Um, the Israelites were traveling to the promised land during these attacks. They were going deeper to where God was calling them. They were going to where they needed to be, and they stopped at Moab. I don't know why they stopped. It doesn't say in the Bible why they stopped or how long they were there. So I don't know how long it took from them pitching their tents to being distracted and being like the world. Um, did I skip anything? Hold on. <laughs> um, so that's the first distraction is the world. The world is a lot. Pastor's staring at me. It's kind of... <laughs> Sorry, you're giving me like the look that I don't know if I'm being weird. Um, <laughs> uh, the world likes to speak to you. You got to look this way. You got to act this way. You got to do all these things to fit in. And it tells you all these different things and you know it's wrong. And the world likes to fight for your time. Time is such a big issue. Time is one of the things that you can give God and it really fights for your time and what you're doing. Um, I know I really struggle with my time. Um, well, not right now, but I used to struggle with my time and I would like, you know, everybody got social media, right? You know, and I would get on TikTok and just like keep scrolling and be on there for like eight hours. That's, that's <laughs> oh my, exactly. <laughs> oh my, like, cause you just get into that, like, I'm not really focusing or being intentional of what I'm doing and I'm just not focusing on what it is that I am doing at a hand, you know? And, you know, I did that with like playing video games. I'll be like, oh, just one more game. Oh, uh, just one more game. And then I've been playing for like the whole day. <laughs> and then I'd be forgetting to pray sometimes after that. And I'm like, oh no, I left no time for Jesus. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, so don't be influenced by the world. Um, we're going to go to the next distraction. I'm going to read this verse from Matthew 14, and I want you guys to think of what the distraction could be. Matthew, or, yeah, Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back in the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he said sent the people home. This is right after the, the fish and chips scene. <laughs> um, that, that's a joke, but Brother Gleason said this morning at Mantle. It's, okay. <laughs> fish and chips. Um, and after sending them home, he went up by himself to pray, and night fell where he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in, in trouble far away from the land in the deep. I had that in quotes. I wasn't supposed to. That's my fourth verse. Um, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, he, they cried out, It's a ghost! <laughs> That's how I imagine they said it. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you guys see the distraction? in that verse. Does anyone have a guess? Fear. I heard it. Fear. Um, emotional distractions. Mm. <laughs> Talk about it. Sorry. I'm 
I need to get focused a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little distracted. Um, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> okay. They were terrified. They were terrified, and in their fear, they thought that God was a ghost. Hmm. Let me say that again. They thought that God was a ghost in their fear. They didn't know who Jesus was in their fear. Okay. <laughs> they didn't know that that was him. They lost their spiritual discernment in their emotional distractions. They were just with Jesus in the feeding of the 5,000. They knew that he was coming to them, but they didn't know that he was out on the water and they thought that he was a ghost, but they were close enough to him to have been able to smell him like a couple hours ago and they knew what they looked like and they knew what he sounded like, but they still thought that he was a ghost when they were emotionally distracted. And, you know, we really get emotionally distracted sometimes, don't we? I do too. It's some, like, we can get so caught up in our own fear or in, you know, this person did this and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, you know, now I'm not going to do anything because I'm upset with that person. And then you're not doing stuff. I feel like I'm confusing. <laughs> um, but you get so caught up in your emotions that you are not focused and not wanting to do what God is wanting you to do. Um, just like Noah, bro. This wasn't in my notes, but Noah was there and um, he was called. And, and then after what he did, he was upset that the people... I shouldn't have gone out of my notes. <laughs> um, but he got upset after he did what God called him to do because he didn't think that they should have been set free of their chains and whatever because he didn't like them. And he was emotionally not wanting them to be whatever. Yeah, okay. That was, okay. Um, Um, but you can get so caught up in your emotions. And then going further down in it, um, verse 26. When the disciples saw him, well, we're rereading this one. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in fear. They cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, do not be afraid but said, take courage, I am here. Even in their emotional distraction, God confirmed that he was there and to take courage and to not be afraid. <laughs> yeah. Don't be afraid. <laughs> um, Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, God has spoken 
promises into your life. And God has called you to places and things, and you have to be focused. You can't be distracted by the things of this world or your emotions. You have to hone in on his spirit and be focused. Um, uh, our emotions, um, emotions aren't a bad thing, by the way. I skipped this part, sorry. Emotions aren't a bad thing. Emotions are an indicator to what you're feeling. It's an indicator like your low gas light popping on. It's like you need to put gas in the tank. It's an indicator of like how you feel and all these things. Um, and so it's not a bad thing, but it's when you get so consumed and start acting on your emotions. And sometimes when you're in your emotions, you can't focus on God and you can't, you don't know what you're doing when you are consumed by your emotions and you don't know, like, you're not thinking straight, you're not thinking properly, you're not yourself when you're consumed with anger, when you're consumed with uh, fear, when you're consumed with depression, when you're consumed with anxiety, you aren't yourself and you aren't doing the things that you want to be doing. And God today really just wants to speak to someone and say, you're distracted by your emotions and you need to bring your emotions to me. You need to bring your emotions to the altar. You need to bring yourself to a place where you can focus on me and give me your emotions. And moving to verse 28. Then Peter called out, Lord, is it really you? Tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus said, yes, come. So Peter went to the side of the boat and walked in the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. <laughs> mm. He began to look at the waves around him. He began to look at the distractions around him and not have his eyes on Jesus, and he started to sink. He started to drown, but God said later, did I read that part? He said later that, why did you doubt me? Why did you, you of such little faith, why did you doubt me? Because you see the waves around you, but I told you to look at me and I told you to focus on me and you're looking at the waves around you and you're not seeing me and all the things that I've called you to. You need to look and focus on me. Verse 32, when he climbed, no, wait, no, wrong verse. No? right verse. When he climbed in the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God. God is looking for us to worship him today. He is looking for us to worship him and he will take care of the wind and he will take care of the waves in our life. No matter what the storm is, you know, he still doubted God in the waves whenever what Audrey was talking about and the peace be still seen. That happened in Matthew 8 and Mark 4. It's the same because different disciples wrote each book. But in that, if he said, peace be still there and 
Peter still doubted him in this verse. And this happened after he had already seen God move the waves and stop the waves back in those verses. But now he still was doubtful and still didn't know and still had fear. So God is calling you deeper to not be so distracted by the waves. Chad, come close. Hey, let's give a round of applause to these young people for what they did today. Amen. I have a good, good story for you guys really quick here as we start to wrap this up. Uh, when I was 13 in my home church in Bakersfield, California, first time I got behind a microphone, 13 is a tough age, first off. And as a male, it can be even harder because your voice starts to change at 13. And I, uh, I was going to announce a rummage cell. How I was the person to announce a rummage cell, I have no idea. And I got up there. And I said, it's going to be a good time. But right when I was going to say good, it was like 10 syllables higher. It was like, good time. And for the next, actually to this day, actually, if I see anybody who was present that day, they ask me if I'm having a good time. So I refused to touch a microphone for the next 15 years. And from the very beginning of Luke's prayer, all the way through this entire service, you are seeing young people, first off, who are way talented, way more talented than I am, and I'm very thankful for that, but more importantly, they are so anointed, they are really anointed, and they're not anointed because God was like, hey, here's some people, let's anoint them, they're anointed because they seek after God, they pray hard, and they have put him first, they have put him before career, before college, they have put him first, and I'm, I'm so proud of them, and I'm so thankful for a church that supports them. Um, I said this in youth service, and I went kind of back and forth whether or not to share it, but I really feel like God has a time of unprecedented growth for Impact Student Ministries right now. And during our three-day fast, I really felt like God telling me that I have anointed them, but I didn't anoint them to come sit in a church service. I anointed them to reach this community and to reach this world. And I believe that's going to happen. I believe you are seeing that. And I also believe that that happens because there is a church up here that supports them and prays for them and encourages them and allows them to do that. And I'm so thankful for it. And uh, there have been a lot of uh, messages recently about going deeper, going deeper. We got to go deeper. These messages today were awesome, going, going into new depths with God. And if you're here, that's something that you can kind of understand, regardless of your walk with God. We all want to have a closer relationship with him. We all want to know more about him. We all want to be more like him. We've had um, prayer small groups that had started up this last quarter. People are praying and, and they're seeking after God. We, had, we just wrapped up a three-day fast, which was, we got through it. It was a three-day fast. It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing for some of you, but I got through it. And, uh, and you, can, you start to wonder, where does it all lead? Where is God leading us as a church? We know that we want to go deeper. We know that we want to have a closer relationship with him. But Luke chapter 19, verse 10, and I am not preaching a message, so don't stress. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 tells us that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That's what, that's what he came for. You're like, hey, why did you? He came to seek and to save the lost. And, you know, the closer we get to Jesus, the more like him 
we should become. That's the point. Why, do, why are we going? To, we want to be more like Jesus. We want to be more like him. And we know Jesus as a savior. But do we know Jesus as a seeker? And, and are we like him in that, oh, we want the world to be saved. But are we like him in that we're willing to seek? We're willing to search. Because to seek for something means to desire it greatly. To look for something. To find something. You're, you're trying to find something. And I believe that God's calling us closer to him. But sometimes it might not look like you think. You know, we can have an amazing, powerful service, and God can do an unprecedented thing right here in this building, and it will impact like, like 130 people, which is cool. But there's about 3 million people in this metro that need to experience what God has for this city. There really is. And he's calling us deeper, and he loves us, and he wants to pour those things out on us, but it's not just so we can come in and us 120 can keep having service. He wants to reach an entire community. So as the musicians comes, I want to end with this story that is found in Luke chapter 16. I did not give it to him, so just trust that I'm reading it correctly. It says, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. I take that, that he ate a lot. He was happy. He was comfortable. He ate every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died, and he, was, and he was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes in torment, and he seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus, this man who was laid at his gate every day. And he cried, and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all of this, between us and you, there is a great goal fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come hence. Then he said, this is, this is, this is the part that I really want you to focus on. He said, I pray thee therefore, that thou wouldest send him, send Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brethren, everybody say five brethren, that he may testify to them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if somebody went to them from the dead, they will repent. And Abraham said back to him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded that one rose from the dead. And that's a heavy thought. Where are we going with this? But just like the rich man in that story, if we believe the Bible to be true, it is possible that right now there are people who have gone on from this life who are saying, Hey, I have family members in Kansas City. Somebody reach them. Somebody go out into the highway. Somebody get deeper with God and show them so that they don't have to come here. And you know what, Abraham, just what he said back to the rich man, he said, hey, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And you know, sometimes we take the Bible and we just like take all of these characters and all of these verses and we just bunch them together like they were all part of a fraternity and knew each other. That's not the case. See, Abraham had actually passed away over a thousand years before Moses would be walking on the earth. Just staggering. So we can, take, we can take something from this. Abraham was aware and watching Moses minister 
a thousand years after he had moved on, which is a heavy thought to think about. But you know what that tells me today? That if it's still the same and we believe the Bible to be true, you are today's Moses. You are today's prophets. We are in the arena. And right now there is a world that is needing to be reached. And there's no doubt people that are saying, hey, God, do a miracle. Send down a pillar of fire. Raise up like the most amazing speaker that there ever was. Maybe raise somebody from the dead. Then they will listen. And you know what? Right now I believe that heaven's saying, hey, you know what? They have Refuge Church. They have Emily. They have Audrey. They have Gary. They have Chad. Let them hear them. Because if they're not going to listen to the message that I give to them, it doesn't matter. You're not going to... There's no sign or wonder or anything that can come down that's going, to, that's going to challenge them. We are in the arena, and God has called us to go deeper, not just so we can say that we went deeper with God, but so we can walk out of those depths and we can lead somebody to the life-saving message that is here in this place today. And that message is this. You can have salvation for your life for eternity, and you can have peace in the moment where you're at right now, but you can have hope for an eternity with God. So as we stand right now, I know this service was a little bit different and I appreciate everybody for being here. But if you're here and you're looking for God, just like Abraham said, there's not another message coming. There's not another word coming. There's not a doctrine coming that's going to be easier. There might be some different deliveries. There might be some cool lights and There might be some other things, but there is no other gospel under heaven given among men whereby you can be saved. And that gospel is here, and that presence of God is here, and that gospel is this. You can come to an altar, you can repent of your sins, and the Bible said he's faithful and just to forgive you of all of this, every stupid thing you have ever done in your life, he can forgive you of. You can go down in this water baptism back here and be baptized in Jesus' name, and you can be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you can have an eternity with God. And that is what is on the table here today. Why would you wait? Why would you wait? There's not another message coming. There's not anything else coming. This is the day that God has given you for salvation. And if you're here and you have salvation, what's hindering us from reaching this world? And so I invite you to come find a place to pray for just a few minutes. And if you've got nothing to pray for, pray for this city. Pray for this community. Pray that God would reach this city and that there would be people saved, that people would spend eternity with him. In Jesus' name.